Welcome to episode number two of the Abide in the Word podcast. We're your hosts, Lauren Dick, and I'm here with Pastor Mike Hovlin. Hello, welcome. So, it's been five months or so since our first episode came out on the gospel and salvation, and our intent was definitely to put out more than one every half a year or so, but a lot has happened in the last five months. As many people are aware, here in Alberta, the government has imprisoned several pastors. In fact, currently, as we sit here speaking, Pastor Tim Stevens from Fairview Baptist Church out of Calgary, Alberta, is in prison, and he is in isolation in prison. Now, one of the things, as everything that was happening earlier in February especially with the arrest of Pastor James Coates of Grace Life Church. Time became something that was not a lot of extra to spare. (laughs) Pastor Mike Hovland, as many of you may know, is still an elder at the Grace Life Church as well, though he is our pastor teacher at Grace Bible Fellowship. He also serves in that role at this time. And so that did take up a lot of his time. And in fact, I think, Mike, if you'd like, maybe just fill us in a little bit with some of the stuff that has preoccupied you over the last number of months in regards to the Grace Life situation. Yeah, Lauren, you're being very gracious because uh, it's really my fault that we haven't done a podcast. And uh, uh, it's, been a, it's been a very busy time. I would, I would say that the last five, six months, whatever it's been, uh, has been the busiest months of my, of my whole life. Um, Grace Life is, is kind of uh, a sister church to us. We, uh, we kind of launched off with them and with their help and of course with Grace Advance. And, uh, the, the deal was that I, I'd come up here right away, but I would remain on as an elder until they get some more elders set up. And, uh, and so I've been on the elder board. And of course, when, the you know the head pastor James Coates goes to to jail all of a sudden the uh the remaining elders at Grace Life and the elders in training uh just felt like they needed more help and uh and uh, they're making decisions and and so I, it was it was weekly meetings and um and, and even even probably m- more like multiple meetings per week and and hours and hours of conversation and of course just communication around the world too and even a few interviews and it was it was just a a very very full time and um and just kind of just doing feeling pretty helpless but doing everything that that I could and and that we could not only to respond to the pandemic and and everything ourselves but also to help uh that other church so uh I don't know what else if there's anything else to say about that well, and even there, you talk about the meetings, the interviews, and just all the time that that consumes. It's also a time of really anxiety, anxiousness. Um, we don't know what's going on. We didn't know what was going to happen, how long James would end up being imprisoned. Um, our hearts went out to his family, to Pastor Jake uh, Spenced at Grace Life and the other pastors. But just the uncertainty, so add to the busyness of the schedule, just the uncertainty, and, and really it does create stress and, and just exhaustion, right? Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it was a, it was a tough time, but uh, yeah, the Lord the Lord helped us get through it. And so now we're back. Now, it, it, I, you know, I've had like I think two normal weeks in a row now, and uh, <laughs> and then of course now Tim Stevens is in jail, and uh, and that's I think that's really why we're here. It's just I, I it's like I, I had that same feeling again, that feeling when a pastor brother goes to jail in your province, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that's a feeling I know now. <laughs> it's like it's just oh, that feeling's back. What is that? That's that's the feeling when one of your pastor brothers is in jail. Needless to say, you have the same career as they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that is in that sense again, as we're sitting here talking, Pastor Tim Stevens is in prison in in Calgary. Earlier this afternoon. Premier Jason Kenney announces that the province is removing practically all COVID restrictions as of July 1st. That's only a week and a half away, and yet here we are still imprisoning pastors. It's kind of hard to understand, you know, what what are they doing? Why are they doing this when really everything else is ramping up towards opening but we're still imprisoning pastors and, and we're still uncertain about his release or, or when that might be or what he will need to agree to for this last week and a half. Um, but that being said, it only matches the inconsistency and if I can use the term hypocrisy that we've seen over the last 15 months from within the government, from within Alberta Health Services, from within every the 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 law RCMP um Calgary police you know it was last spring when a young man was playing hockey on an outdoor pond and he was arrested and taken in for disobeying the law right um it's just kind of surreal everything that we've seen and heard and Again, our hearts go out to the Coates family, Grace Life, but and especially now Pastor Tim's family, his wife Raquel and their children, uh, a larger family. Eight which, children. Yeah. Yeah. And they were there when he was arrested. Yeah. It's heartbreaking to watch that video and the kids are crying and bye daddy and, mm-hmm. you know, the police officer, they're asking the police officer questions. They're saying, hey, you... You're uh, you're arresting pastors, and they go, "Who's arresting pastors? Uh, that isn't that why you're here to arrest pastors?" Like, so yeah, the the hypocrisy and the well, and even yeah. in that video, the police officer responsible for the arrest of Pastor Stevens admits that he also doesn't keep all the mandates, the restrictions that are in place. It's kind of the the saying that we've seen float around rules for thee, but not for me. Right. And we see that from the government. We've seen that from Jason Kenney just recently with the sky palace scandal, if we want to call it that mm-hmm. himself and several of his MLAs and, and staff were found to break multiple rules in their sky palace dinner. And he denied it. The picture was floating around the internet for everyone to see. And Jason Kenney is denying it for five days 
until he finally says, well, yeah, you know, we sent someone up there and measured and, and we found that two chairs didn't meet the social distancing requirements. At that point, it's hard to expect us to trust you anymore, right? I think we were beyond that already when he said that, but that maybe put the icing on the cake, if we can put it that way. Yeah. And so we just, we thought we should talk about this. You know, we, I don't see a lot of people talking about it, uh, what's going on in Canada. I, I see a lot of uh, our American friends going, uh, what's going on in Canada. And, uh, and so we thought, you know what, let's, let's talk about it and let's maybe, maybe the Lord will use this to influence some pastors and, and believers across this country. Believe it or not, there's a lot more going on than just a couple guys doing a podcast with some really cool accents. I don't know where to go from there. (laughs) What's next? (laughs) We do have cool accents, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we'll let Mr. Nelson respond to that if he listens to this episode. Um, Yeah, so did you want to get into the next part here? Um, What are we doing? Why are we meeting? Did you want to talk more about the restrictions and persecution? And even there, maybe just a, a clarification thought, there is a lot of conversation, even within the church, within Canada, is this really persecution? Did Pastor James face persecution? Is Pastor Tim facing persecution? How about Grace Life at this moment? Their building has been seized. There is three layers of fencing and an armed guard around the Grace Life Church in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Yeah. And same thing, Tim Stevens Church is yes. locked out. Locks have been changed. Right. And, uh, and, and you know, so to me, this whole thing, is this persecution or not persecution? It's, it's just ridiculous. I, I think last year, if, uh, if you were sharing the gospel and somebody said, you know, something half unkind to you, you would have went home and said, man, I was persecuted sharing the gospel. <laughs> and now, now, you know, pastors are in jail. Churches are, are locked down. Uh, you know, every Sunday since February, pretty much, I would kind of roll up to our church and think, I wonder if today's the day that I'm going to get arrested. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, not the, not the greatest feeling on the way to to church on the, in the morning, but like, we honestly had that conversation every Sunday, uh, because there's certain elements of the, of the, um, of the regulations that, that we, we just couldn't comply with uh, in our conscience. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is it persecution? You know, Jesus says, if, if you're insulted, if people utter all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, uh, he lumps that into the category of persecution. And, um, you know, we, we've got this, this Steve Richardson article, Steve Richardson's a pastor in Ontario and, uh, he wrote a great article, kind of, uh, I think Wyatt Graham had written a, an article saying, kind of, I don't know if it was arguing that it wasn't persecution, but um, Steve Richardson kind of breaks it down and says, this is persecution for righteousness sake. And and when we're, when, when we're, we as Christians are seeking to obey God's commandments and live righteously according to what Jesus tells us to do, you know, to, to be obedient to him. And if somebody hinders us, insults us, uh, tries to 
tries to stop what we're doing, I, I think we can call that persecution. But you know what? If you don't call it persecution, if you, if you feel like you don't want to call it persecution, then that's fine with me too. The Lord is going to decide. Uh, but we are being hindered from, or at least it's against the law to do what we used to do last year. And, uh, and to me, that's just persecution. Mm-hmm. So would you say, and I know an argument that often gets made is, well, it's not just the Christians that are facing these restrictions, therefore it's not persecution. Yeah, I think, I think that's just not a helpful argument. Uh, whenever the, a government or an authority or a person is going to persecute you, they're very rarely going to just come out and say, this is persecution against you and your God because I hate your God. So, so, so there's going to be, they're going to justify it to their own conscience somehow. And so they're going to present it differently. And, and so, so that's kind of the first thing. No one's going to just say, okay, here we, let's persecute these Christians. Uh, but then beyond that, I think even if it isn't directly against a Christian or, or against the church, it's still persecution if it if it's trying to hinder us from doing what God has called us to do. If other people are hindered as well, maybe we could say they're persecuted. Maybe the we could say the restaurant owners are persecuted and the the churches are persecuted. I don't know what you call that category, but um, just because it's it's broader than just Christians, it doesn't make it not persecution. And I would agree with that. And actually, that reminded me of well, really, Steve Richardson makes that argument in this article as well, where he actually compares, makes the comparison with Daniel. And to quote, by that definition, what Daniel experienced wasn't persecution because the king's law applied equally to everyone. Actually, Daniel was still allowed to believe what he wanted. What got Daniel into trouble, predictably, was his inability to comply with a law that prevented him from praying to God, even though just temporary. Daniel didn't comply. He didn't alter his behavior, even temporarily. And because of it, he was thrown to the lines. And so, you know, we see there, it wasn't just Daniel. It wasn't just the, those that believed in God to which this rule applied. It was to the whole nation. But Daniel didn't follow it, so we've never heard someone make the argument that he wasn't persecuted for it, right? Yeah. So then, so then you kind of go into, well, well, why are people making this argument? And uh, I think Steve Richardson does a great job by saying um, in, in his article that, that this, this is persecution for righteousness sake. Uh, it's persecution on Jesus's account. And uh, so just regarding the argument, if if this is still persecution, even though it's not specifically geared towards just Christians. And Steve Richardson makes the argument that this is still persecution for righteousness' sake because all the things that we're asked not to do are still deemed to be acts of righteousness, right? Mm -hmm. I think of his... um, that argument again for Daniel, even though it isn't just for the believers, for those who believed in God, it was for everyone, but it specifically stopped 
Daniel from doing that which was asked of him. And if if we can make that parallel with with the church today in Alberta, so yes, businesses other than Walmart, Costco, we all seen the pictures of those places being packed with people, hundreds of people, while the churches were only supposed to have 15%. But other bu- businesses and buildings and and uh they aren't called by God to sing, to pray, to fellowship together, all the one another's. So in that sense, though it's meant to be a broad sweep across all of society, some of these restrictions were specifically affecting the church, places of worship. And I think in those areas, it would be safe to say that it was persecution, even though it was a broad mandate, right? Yeah, and and that reminds me what I wanted to say is that that even we've got this um, why are why do people why do other believers w- want to argue that this isn't persecution? Uh, and I, I think ultimately, and I think Steve does a good job of sh- of saying this is that um, it's because if if they're not doing the righteousness that results in persecution, it, it almost condemns them and convicts them. Right, and, and so. I, you know, I, I don't know why, what other motive you would have. Why are you, why are we going out of our way to argue mm. something's not persecution when, when two years ago we did, I, I think, I think if you're, if you're, um, if you're not being persecuted and others are, and you're going, well, uh, you want, you want to kind of make yourself be righteous. You want, you want to justify yourself. And, uh, and so you got to kind of say, well, th- Hey, th- that's not persecution. Those guys are, are just facing trials for other reasons right so um mm. you know maybe somebody like Wyatt Graham could could look at that and and he could reply back to me and and tell me what he thinks about that but it, it seems to me there's there's not really much option we're we're doing and, and actually if you would just read that last little bit of what Steve says there yes yeah, so and I quote here until 2020 the saints considered gathering for worship righteousness Until 2020, the saints believed that submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ over his church was righteous. They believed that it was righteous to sing his praises, righteous to turn no one away, righteous to greet each other with some symbol of affection beyond a wave, righteous to exclude only the duly excommunicated, righteous to do worship how God commanded, and righteous to render to Caesar only what was his. And I'll just read his little response to that quote that he uh, wrote there. So how can there be room for disagreement? What's needed is not more latitude. What's needed is repentance. And I think that ties in with what you were saying for the people and the Christians that, that aren't recognizing this as persecution is it because there's a sense of guilt, and I know this is a broad statement, mm-hmm. but maybe a sense of guilt for some that they know and understand that they've been willing to compromise in some of these areas. They've been willing to allow, quote-unquote, Caesar determine how their worship should look like for 15 months. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, I can already sense some people are are going to be uncomfortable with with that idea, and and that's that. I think that's really what I wanted to kind of get into is, 
is um is just to kind of set some some parameters maybe help us think about about these things mm-hmm. um the you know the and 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 some of these arguments i'm not gonna i'm not gonna just fully make because they've they've been made uh the the first place where i think we need to start is that uh and, and we've heard this so often throughout this whole thing is christ is the head of the church mm-hmm. and uh the lord jesus christ is the one who um builds his church He's the one who uh, designed the church, planned the church. Uh, he's the one who bought the church with his blood. And, uh, and he, as the head of the church, is the one who tells us what to do. We don't, we don't decide what we do or um, how we're going to do things. We follow right. the head. Right. And, and so, you know, and, and I would just say, like, you know, you want to see more about that, then, then you should look at Lloyd Jones's commentary. Look at the statement: "Christ, not Caesar, is head of the church." That MacArthur put out. Um, there was a, a Tom Askell and Jared Longshore did some great work on that early on in the pandemic. And so, I don't want to really say too much more than that. But, but fundamentally, each local church has to, and and really must allow Christ to be head of the church. Right. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the, if you're doing something because the government told you to do something, that's, that's a sin. And and I'll be that strong on that. that. There's this fundamental principle. Christ is the head of the church. We don't let anyone else do that. You don't, you don't let the little old lady in the front row tell you how to, how the church should be run. You don't let the government tell you how the church should be run. You don't let an angel tell you how the church should be run. Christ told us how the church should function, and it's revealed in his word. And so fundamentally, we got to do that. Right. Now, now that being said, who, who in the church uh, is, is primarily responsible to, to make sure that the the headship of Christ is honored. And I, I think it comes down to the elders of a particular local church. They have to decide uh, some of those things in which there is, is freedom. Uh, you know, the, the word of God tells us what to do, but it, you know, it doesn't get down to the, the nitty gritty details. Like, you know, who's going to do the, uh, the service introduction or, or who's going to sing or, you know, all of those kind of things. There's so many little aspects of a, of a church gathering that the the elders are going to have to oversee, and and they have to make decisions on that, mm-hmm. um, and so th- the elders now have to decide. And so so when it comes to what is a church going to do, if the government says you must do X, Y, or Z, we say no. the The government doesn't tell us what to do. Christ tells us what to do. But now we go, okay, well. Hey, there is this situation. Maybe we should do X. Maybe we should do this other thing. You know, maybe, maybe we should go to two services. Maybe that's the best move for our church. Or, or you know what? Maybe there's there's persecution happening, and our our let's say our you know our building's been locked down and we have no building. Well, now we're we're gonna go and and do worship in a field. That's for the elders to decide, and. So long as they're not deciding that because the, they think the government tells them what to do, I think they're free to to make different 
decisions on this whole thing. And I think that's, you, you got to have that fundamental principle first. And now there is some level of freedom to say, no, the government's not going to tell us what to do. But uh, in this situation, I think it's wise to go to two services maybe, or, or right. not go to two services or whatever, all those kinds of things. I have, I have room in my understanding of this for different churches to make different decisions based on their church. And, and just for like a couple examples, I, I know of pastors this year where the church was totally divided on whether they should mask or not mask. And, and so if a, if a pastor said, we're all going to mask church split, if a pastor said, we're not going to mask maybe church split. So the, the pastor has to, to shepherd the congregation through the whole thing. And, and so some of those pastors in situations like that are just trying to, to move their church along. Maybe, maybe their church felt early on, like, yeah, we've always believed we just have to submit to the government no matter what. And now the, the, the elder and, and pastors of those, of that church are going to have to teach the people that Christ is head of the church. All of these things, there's, there's right. room for patience and growth and teaching. Well, and even with the idea that Christ is head of the church, you'd probably find very few professing Christians that wouldn't pay lip service to that. Mm -hmm. Most would say, amen. Nobody has a problem say, agreeing with that, right? Yeah. But maybe where that teaching comes in and that discipling comes in is the practical, um, how this looks in practice then, mm -hmm. right? We, we can agree, Christ is head of the church. We have good orthodoxy there. Yeah. But how about the orthopraxy? What does this then look like? Do we submit to the government? And I like what you said regarding, you know, maybe going to dual services. Many churches, good churches, have more than one service. At the end of the day, if you simply don't have room for everyone that wants to attend, you may have to explore different options that way. But again, those decisions are made through prayer and consultation of the elders of the church, whom Christ has appointed as rulers of the body until his return as his under-shepherds, if we can um, call it that way, but not the government. Yeah. Don't do this because the government demands it, right? I think that's kind of what you're getting at yeah. as well, right? Yeah. So, so that, that's got to be the fundamental principle. And then, and then there is some, I, I, I believe, some freedom to as pastors to shepherd your church along in, in the response to any situation that comes along. And, uh, and, but, but at a, at a certain point and, 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 you know, this is where we can maybe get into this. Um, there's, there's gotta be a point as, you know, even as, as the, 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 the understanding of what the virus is, is, is kind of coming out. And, uh, I know our church, we, we, uh, early on in the pandemic, we, we said, oh, wow, what is this pandemic? And we saw people falling over in China on the videos and all that. And, and, and we, um, we actually ended up losing our building anyways. And so we went to, to some live stream services for a while. And, um, and just to clarify for anyone listening to this, whenever you hear us use the term pandemic, picture us using air quotes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't picture like thousands of people dying and falling all over the street. Yeah. And 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 that's that's what that's what ends up coming into this whole thing is is um unless like 
unless your head has been in the sand this whole this whole time um early on we've we've thought maybe it is a pandemic you know we thought wow maybe people are going to be dying and this is really serious and um over time though there's got to be a point where you go this is not about health and i think our community almost proves that without (laughs) a doubt like if if it was about health you wouldn't have just selected churches getting shut down um the only churches that have been shut down the only pastors that have been arrested have been the vocal ones um, and, and really, they're the ones that the mainstream media has picked up on and really shed a spotlight on. And so in doing that, they've really, again, a broad statement, they've embarrassed the government and the health officials. Mm-hmm. Because here they are in their super spreader events every week, week in, week out, in endangering thousands of lives, but nobody's sick. Nobody's dying. Yeah. And and in saying that, we want to be sensitive to those. COVID has wreaked havoc on some people's lives and their health conditions, and we know people have lost their lives, and, and we're not belittling that at all. Mm-hmm. Death is always sad, yeah. and, it's, and it's, you know, our hearts go out to the families that lose loved ones no matter for what cause. But I think the whole idea here is the fact that a complete society, the world in, in essence, has been shut down because of misinformation, um, double standard, moving of goalposts. And again, we're referencing to what we've seen in Alberta as our province, Jason Kenney, and everything has been worldwide headlines because of the imprisonment of pastors. I read one stati- uh, statistic the other day, this last week, with three different pastors arrested, and that was before Pastor Stim- Stevens was arrested for the second time, Alberta now held the record for most pastors arrested in a democratic society for following their conscience and what they believed God required them to do through the Word. Hmm. That's quite a thing. It's... Yeah. And, and here's the thing that... that that just kind of, you know, just to point out some more of the hypocrisy is the government, I believe, knows that all the churches in our little town of Lacrete are open and doing services and they have not even tried to come and shut us down. So if, if they were really concerned about our health and safety, then they would come and, and shut us down before we killed everyone. But guess what? We've most of the people I think in this town have had COVID or been in very close contact with it, and and for the most part, just just like the statistics say, is it like ninety nine point seven percent or something like that recover? Um, if you're maybe is that if you're under sixty, I'm not even sure. It's it's fairly high. I haven't run the numbers over the last number of months, um, but nothing has either convinced us that they've gotten worse, right? Yeah, and and we've seen that in in our own in our own situation, we we've people have had COVID and they've recovered. The, the very few, if any, have have had to go to the hospital, and um, and and just to think that that we would have shut down our church for that mm-hmm. is is um, and to think that so many pastors and 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 churches have shut down for that 
it, it's really, as a pastor, you've got to think about what's going on and, and it does it warrant the, the restrictions that the government is, is, and I would just say, whenever the government tells the church to do something, I would take that as a recommendation. And, right. and, and sometimes I, you know, we would take recommendations like that, even if they make them laws, we, we might take those and say, you know what, in, in this situation, because of the, the risk of this, of, of death or illness or, or injury to people, we're going to, we're going to follow these recommendations. But it, it, at some point you have to say, does it warrant this? Actually at, at every point, I think you have to say, right. Does it warrant this? And, and when I, when I think about what we would have lost as, as our local church, Grace Bible Fellowship, what we would have lost in this last 15 months as a, as a new church plant with a, with a new pastor and um, the, the spiritual growth and maturity in the people that we would mm-hmm. have lost, which, which is ultimately the glory of God that would have been diminished uh, through our lives, uh, it, it would not have been worth it to follow all those measures. Mm-hmm. And again, for those that are listening that are not aware, Pastor Mike's first day as the pastor-teacher of Grace Bible Fellowship was February 1st, 2020. March 22nd, 2020, we did our first online service because we lost the use of our facility due to the COVID restrictions that came in. So at this point, we would have hardly had any time together as a body apart from last summer for a few months. And then in fall, that was all shut down again to the point where it was illegal to get together with other people. It has been that to this day since December 8th is when the announcement was made. So from December until now, that's six six months, half a year, it has been illegal to gather with a family member who does not live in your own home. So as a married adults, it's illegal to get together with siblings, relatives, friends. This is the, these are the restrictions that we have here in Alberta. So it, it goes beyond, it's not even just the idea that, okay, so we can't gather together in a large church facility. It would have been illegal for us to sit as pastor and congregant in the same home, to have coffee together, to to have a meal together. All that fellowship, if we would have listened, mm-hmm. would have been gone. Yeah. Yeah. All of all of that fellowship. And so just let's just kind of recap like what what were the requirements for the most of this year? Well, it was it was fifteen percent of the congregation, or fifteen percent of the building capacity. Yes. Uh, and then within that then it was you had to wear a mask. I, I think it was only recommended that you not sing, but but at times it might have been that you you could sing if you wore a mask. And it was also, I believe, completely um, told off for for a time as well this last winter, when they really clamped down on those restrictions. Okay. Uh, even with the fifteen percent, there should be no congregational singing. You could have people singing on stage as long as they wore a mask but the congregation shouldn't be singing. Yeah, so so no congregational singing. Uh, stay six feet socially distanced uh, from everyone. 
during the entire thing. So, so that's, that's no handshaking, no hugs. Uh, I don't know if anyone that would listen to this has ever tried talking with the mask on six feet apart from somebody. Uh, but the, the level of spiritual conversation that you can have to me, it's just, it's almost useless. Um, so the, the, the encouragement, the fellowship, um, you know, using pretty much all of the spiritual gifts that we're called to use in the church would have been restricted. W- w- were there any other restrictions? Am I missing anything there? Lord's Supper. So, yeah. So, the, of course, how are you going to have the Lord's Supper if you're supposed to be six feet distanced? Yeah. Uh, maybe there's a way to, to go up one by one. I it would just be, you know, that would be hindered. Baptism, you couldn't, you couldn't do that. Although maybe at times they said... Well, if you have to do a baptism, maybe go ahead and do that. Um, so <clears throat> now, now I've I've asked some pastors who told me they were complying with these health regulations this whole year, and and <clears throat> so you know to those to those who who maybe have tried to do that or are doing that, I I would just want to ask first of all, did you really? do that did like you know if if you really believe that the government can tell us or or that we should um do that did you did you really stay six feet apart wear a mask at all times not sing um because if if you if you just kind of sort of did it i i think that's just hypocrisy um to me and then um did you you know do you see how you lost the the fellowship that's that's necessary? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I asked a pastor about that, and he he told me that they uh, yeah he kept the the rules this year, and and it's made fellowship difficult, and sometimes he couldn't hear what his congregant said, but but in his own mind he he thought you know it really wasn't wasn't that bad, and we did everything that we were supposed to do. You know that 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 brings up another thing that we were supposed to do is the only you could only gather like that for the church service. And right. then immediately after the service, you were to, to leave. You were to leave. You yeah. can't stick around in fellowship. That was that was part of the government restrictions. And we were supposed to have a list of names of everyone who attended with contact numbers as well. Yeah. So so anyways, I, I asked this pastor, you know, did did you fellowship? And he, and in his own mind, he he thought he did. And um I'll just be honest. I just can't see it. I can't see. I feel like our church would have lost a lot of benefit mm-hmm. if we if we had fully complied. And 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 maybe that's a good time to kind of to come to this thing. Um, what is the church? And and the church is the gathering of the redeemed. The the gathering of the saved people, um, those who have been baptized into the body of Christ, the church is the body and bride of Christ. And so the church is is the gathering, whether it's on earth and in heaven as well. Um, There's a a universal church, one body of Christ throughout the world, but it meets in local assemblies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, and that's, and so that's, that's what the church is. We're, we're the gathering, the word, church in greek it's ecclesia uh it's made up of uh, it's kind of made up from a compound word ek means out um kaleo is to call 
And so the the idea of the church then is that they are the the called out ones and and they've been they've been called out then into a gathering. And so that word ecclesia mm-hmm. sometimes in scripture very three or four times it's just used for a general assembly. There's a there's a mob, I think it's in Acts 18 or 19 that that gathers and they're called the assembly. Uh, so a few times that word just means an assembly, a gathering of people, but then it, it came to be used as the technical term for the people of God, really from from Pentecost until until the return of Christ or until the rapture, and so that's that's the people who the ch- the church are. They're this the, they're the gathering. So so then now you you go well. Let's have a gathering that's not a gathering. Let's have a gathering that's the, that's a third of the gathering. Well, that's not it's not the gathering. But but even more than that, what what's the purpose of the church? Well, the church is God's plan, Christ's plan to glorify Himself in the world right now. If if you wanna if you wanna work with God and you wanna glorify God, if you are if you are saved, you've been made part of this church, and and it's it's through this church that God is gonna be glorified on the earth, and so. The, the great commission is to, to go to every nation and make disciples and teach them to obey Christ and baptize them. Well, that's, that's to be done by the church. And so people are, are then saved through the church, through the ministry of the church, and then they're brought into this church. They become part of the church. They join a local fellowship of the church. And through that fellowship, they're taught to obey and to, to grow in Christ-likeness. And as we grow in Christ likeness, the more we're like Christ, the more we glorify God. And so the church then is the vehicle through which God is glorified in this age. And it's 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 as each one of us uses our gifts in one another's lives and and speak to one another about our sin and encourage one another and exhort one another and admonish one another and love one another and and really ultimately reflect the Lord Jesus Christ to one another. It's through that that we grow to glorify God and then and mm-hmm. to be more effective. And so the the church is God's uh, amazing plan to to glorify Himself in this age. And if we and, and and the majority of that happens as we gather together, not only on just on Sunday morning, but even in fellowship at other times, and and minister to one another. And so if we if we neglect that, we are we are denying our ultimate purpose, which is to glorify God and enjoy Him. And so, so, and and so sometimes I wonder, and and this this might be a little bit harsh, but I wonder if if a lot of Christians haven't experienced that kind of fellowship, and they don't even know, right. and all they do is they show up at church, they listen to something for a bit, they sing a few songs. And they they go home unchanged. The, there there's no real fellowship happening. No no real iron sharpening iron. Uh, n- no real interactive ministry. And 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 often you know you hear you hear about things like this. People go and talk about sports or whatever after the service. Uh, that's not Christian fellowship. And so I th- I wonder if a huge portion of what we call the church, the visible church just really has no idea what what ministry is what the church is and how it functions like that uh, so 
So maybe that's harsh, but and then I then I go, okay, well that's that's Christians. I think sometimes that might even be a reflection on the pastors uh, in our country, and I think that might be why so many seem to have almost no problem. Just like let's shut her down. We can do Zoom and. What's what's the big deal? Uh, why are you guys so stubborn? Uh, well, mm-hmm. because we're trying to glorify God, and uh, I don't know what like what are you trying to do? Uh, so, anyways, that's that that's kind of what I wanted to say about that. Well, and I think you raise some good points, you know, regarding if people have experienced this, if they've experienced good fellowship, where doctrine, where theology, where the Bible makes up their dinner conversations, their coffee conversations, their conversation after church service. You know, so many times when that service is done, it's geared towards just encouraging you, kind of the feel good. And again, it's a broad statement, and not every place even that disagrees with us on some of these things would be that way. But for many people, I think that is that is a truth. The state of the church in North America, you know, we've we've had a very comfortable time in our country. There hasn't been a lot of persecution. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been hard trials from the government and those kinds of things that we've had to face. Although that is increasing, even with the LGBTQ XYZ, I don't know how many letters they're adding to that acronym anymore. But those kinds of things, that the church is starting to face a lot more heat because of that. And up till now, and we see that, I think, very clearly in our community and in many other churches, uh, church is really a, a cultural thing. We go to church on Sunday. And if you go to church, then you're a Christian. And so it becomes more of a cultural representation rather than an actual understanding of being an adopted child of God, being part of the body that is the bride of Christ for which he died. Mm -hmm. He gave his life for this assembly, for this body that we are part of. And if we meditate on that and understand that, then the church gathering is something that must be important. It is something that we must hold in high regard. But if we're not being discipled in that way, where, again, church is just kind of your weekly refueling hour of seeing your friends and being motivated and encouraged and move on again, Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to face the perils of persecution if you're not prepared for it and if you don't know the value of it, right? Yeah. And that's, that's what I, that's what I wonder is, is do so many people, do so many so-called churches just, just have no, uh, no understanding of what the church is, how important it is. And uh, I I remember seeing something very early on in the pandemic was, was, and I remember the quotes on the pandemic there, but uh, I remember seeing something on Twitter and it was something like, does the church have an ecclesiology sufficient to warrant its own existence this year? Right. And uh, I, th- I think the answer in in a lot of places is is no, it didn't. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's 
that's why I, that's why I'm trying to that's why we're doing this podcast yeah. right now is because I just thought, you know, I got to speak to this. We got to speak to this. Uh, and 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 that maybe transitions into the next part is we just we felt like we have to speak to this because so many aren't mm-hmm. uh and uh, is that where we want to go next or did i had some practical like you know practical with that that's that's who we are and what we're doing uh why we're meeting but maybe maybe you wanted to add a little bit more to the the practical government side or in regards to why we're meeting sure yeah continuing or, yeah well, and that's been something where, and we've talked about it obviously many times throughout the last 15 months, why, why continue to meet then? So there's the theological side that, that you just covered. We are the bride of Christ. We are his children. We belong to this body called the church, the, um, the called out ones, an assembly, which I've never seen the word assembly used for an individual on his own somewhere. You know, maybe if we want to take some scripture out of context and kind of fit in with popular thought, we could just say, well, where two or three are gathered, Mike, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. There, there is, is church discipline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we see a lot of that kind of hermeneutic, eisegesis happening. Um, I think we reference to Romans 13 as well in regards to government. And that is a, a passage that we often hear, right? While Romans 13, you see it on social media, you see it on Facebook, on Twitter. Romans 13, Romans 13, yes, Romans 13. Mm-hmm. Where God appoints the government for good and to destroy evil. Yeah. Right? And God appointing the government also gives us the the clear implication that God is has the authority over the government, which we all know. Mm-hmm. But even in that text, just to throw that out there, that, well, Romans 13 tells us to obey the government. Yes, but we would all agree that we obey God above the government. Nobody argues that either. And so to simply blindly obey the government in regards to the church... Well, as you covered already, Christ is the shepherd. He's the head shepherd of the church. And he has never given the government any responsibility to dictate matters of worship or conscience. And in fact, I'm going to quote you, Pastor Mike, from your sermon that you did on December 13th. And for anyone listening who has not listened to it, you can go onto our website or our YouTube channel and listen to Pastor Mike's sermon that he taught on God, government, tyranny, and submission um, the weekend after Premier Kenny made it illegal for the church to gather, for families to gather, and for all that. But in that sermon, I've um, used this quote before that you used in that sermon, that the government steps outside of its bounds of authority in matters of conscience and worship. And I know I'm not quoting word for word here at the time, but the idea is that they are outside. God never gives them the responsibility to dictate any matter when in regards to worship or conscience. That's given to the church. The the elders of the church are the under-shepherds of Christ. So the government in civil matters, in civil areas, yes, they have authority, 
and they have responsibility and we submit to that. And actually that word submit is important because I, I think earlier you said obey and uh, there, there's a there's obviously a close relation between submission and obedience uh, but ultimately we're not even called to obey the government so much as we're called to submit to the government and when the government steps outside of of their their boundary their sphere and and starts telling the church or the individual what to do and, and they're going against God our job is to continue to obey God, but yet, as we obey God, we submit to the the punishments and restrictions that the government gives us. And I think that's important. And I, I think that's why, like that's why, when you look at, at James Coates' arrest, or you look at uh, the way that Tim Stevens prays with his family, says goodbye to his kids, and and nicely gets into mm-hmm. the car, I think that's what a Christian response is. I I think the 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 authorities who are arresting the pastor should almost feel blessed to arrest <laughs> such a, a gracious godly person who's who's submitting to them even even though there might be some conversation and stuff happening uh, i think that's what it means you know it's mm-hmm. like we're going to do what god tells us to do and then you guys can just do whatever and i've told our mla this you know you can just do whatever you want to me, if you want to come and arrest me, come and arrest me. We're going to continue to obey God. And uh, and if you feel like that deserves uh, a beating or an arrest or whatever, we'll submit to that and we'll, we'll take that in, in Jesus' name. And so uh, that's, what, that's what we're called to do. Well, and even on that note, the MLA, the uh, Premier, I don't think they want to push too much authority because there'd be what? a thousand witnesses to their own breaking of the COVID restrictions, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's something that, even again, if we make this more personal in regards to Grace Bible Fellowship, we live in a community where we've seen so much of that, right? We're called to not gather, not get together with our family, but our own government officials aren't following all the restrictions. Mm -hmm. In front of camera... They they put on a good face. Put and that mask, mask on and, before they walk up to the microphone. Yeah, exactly. That's make helpful. sure make sure that they use that hand sanitizer at least four times while they're standing alone by a podium. Right. Yeah. Just really put on a display of self righteousness, which I firmly believe is what it is. But it boils down to government leaders that don't even believe in what they preach. Now the very unlikely chance that one of them would listen to this, they might say, oh, no, Lauren, that's not right. Yes, it is. That's why they haven't been following their own restrictions. Jason Kenney has been caught not following the pictures out there on the internet. We're not, that's not up for debate. We know of MLAs that themselves have said, no, they don't follow all the restrictions. Mm Mm-hmm. It's they're putting on a face out there because of the fear of quote unquote overwhelming our healthcare system. Well, they've sacrificed the potential health, lives, businesses, well being, mental well being of literally millions of people for a what if. And not only that, but a what if that they've created. The government created a health system that at, with a $23 billion annual budget only has 166 ICU beds. That's not my fault. That's not your fault. 
this is the government's overspending, creating a, a socialist health care system, really, that doesn't work, but we're all the ones paying for it. Never mind that two weeks before Kenny did shut everything down, he was in our community in Lacrete, and there were many witnesses witnessing him in restaurants, not social distancing, not wearing masks. And two weeks later, he shuts everything down. Yeah. Right? So we see so much of that. And then for us as a church, the idea of shutting down, when, when we know the government itself isn't convinced, go back to last Christmas, I think it was eight MLAs from the UCP party, the United Conservative Party that's, that's in leadership in Alberta here, eight of them that traveled abroad for Christmas with their families. Now, at that point, it wasn't illegal. I don't, as far as I know, they didn't break any rules. But people were advised to stay home at this point. So it didn't look good. But really what it told us was even the the government leaders that are on the inside know it's not as scary as they're telling us. Because I guarantee you, not one of them would have taken their families to a resort in Hawaii which is where several of them ended up, if they believe this would potentially cost them one of their children's lives. Yeah. They wouldn't have. So the fact that they went proved that they weren't taking it as serious. So us Albertans were sitting at home, most of them, not not here in Lacrete. Yeah. Lockdown, <laughs> yeah. supposedly. Lockdown. I mean, maybe for us, we might have even gone to several extra gatherings over <laughs> Christmas just to prove a point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, that'll get our hand slapped, right? Um, but while we're in a lockdown position, no church gatherings, no family gatherings, not even getting together with family... MLAs are traveling the world because they know it's not that bad. And actually, Jason Kenney there also defended them until the pressure really ramped up. And then several days later, well, they reconsidered, and yes, that was wrong. And then he removed them from caucus. I mean, which he's done with anybody who's disagreed with him, right? Publicly. Mm -hmm. Anybody who embarrasses him because of his hypocrisies, when his name calling hasn't worked, when his... (laughs) That's what happens. Yeah. And he's controlling by fear, just like with, with Pastor James Coates, with Pastor Tim Stevens. And that just reminds me of another thing in regards to them. You know, we've we've heard the MLAs, Jason Kenney, make these arguments regarding James Coates. Well, he's only in prison because he's choosing to be there, Mike. Mm-hmm. We're not forcing him to stay there. He had a choice. Well, this is where we get to the matter of conscience, right? for pastors, Christian pastors, to be convinced of what is right and their conscience holds them captive and their conscience is formed on informed by the Word of God, they can't just believe this is right, but I won't do it because it'll, it'll affect me adversely. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, politicians are a little different. They often do what they think is wrong just for the sake of popularity or to gain an extra vote or whatever their motivation is. Mm -hmm. But I think that's something that we've seen. We've seen many politicians that don't agree with the shutdown, but they don't understand how James Coates and Tim Stevens can't just go against their conscience because they've been doing it for 15 months. Yeah. I believe that's a sin. I believe 
many of them are professing Christians, but I think that's become evident in how they've spoken of the church and acted, and simply just lies and hypocrisy are the fruit of many of them for the last 15 months, right? And with that in mind, it's been hard, I don't know, for myself personally, and, and, and I believe yourself as well, it's been hard to fathom how, how, do, how do we shut down the church when the people telling us to do that don't even believe in what they preach. Yeah. Right. And, and we're seeing that it's not, it's what they're saying is not the case. And it just, exactly. it just makes you go, we, we can't, we can't do this. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that, that I think you've, you've hit on. That's really important is this, this whole thing of, of conscience and mm-hmm. conviction. Like we, we are to be as Christians, men and women of integrity that, that do what we believe. And, uh, and we we can't we can't and shouldn't go against that. Mm-hmm. Now the world's not going to understand that, um, which actually but, we've seen yeah. has increased the persecution and the way people slander Christians because they don't understand how we don't just give in to what the government's asking us to do. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, wh- where where it's concerning is where um, where you see professing Christians that don't have that same kind of backbone that we're, we're going to now, now I, again, I, there's room in my mind for some that, that aren't convinced, but after, after 15 months uh, of this whole thing, two weeks to flatten the curve uh, a, a year and a half later, um, it's, it's a time to wake, a... it's time to wake up. Like it's, it's time to, you know, where, where's the point where it's like, this is not okay. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to stand for this. Well, even when, for, for a lot of people, even when the, the church went to, you can only have 15 people at church, they were still just, that's great. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, I just, to me, it's, you gotta, it's time to wake up, you know? And I thought, well, when James goes to jail, people will wake up. When, now that Tim goes to jail, people will wake up. It's just, it's not happening. Um, I can't explain that. I don't, I don't know the, the reason for that, but, um. If anyone, you know, if any, if you're listening to to me and on this podcast here, uh, I'm trying to tell tell you, brothers and sisters, it it's time to wake up and stand together. Even if you don't have the same conviction, mm-hmm. we can't be arguing about is it persecution, not persecution, and let's have let's have some backbone and let's make a stand for the Lord. Uh, well, I think one thing, just again, you touch on, is it persecution or is it not? Well, we all have to agree that pastors are being arrested and imprisoned for doing what they have been doing for hundreds of years in this province. Yeah. Well, depending on how you want to look at that and the age of the church and the province in Canada. But at the end of the day, take Pastor James for an example. What's it been? Eleven years or so that he's been eleven, twelve life? years. Yeah. So eleven, twelve years he's been preaching, conducting service, leading that church in Edmonton, and now he was imprisoned for doing exactly that. It wasn't James that changed. The government implemented laws. Now we all know their response is, "Well, it's not. It's not us, right? The government politicians don't have the ability to arrest people or release people." Well, they just make the laws that get them arrested. Exactly. Yeah. The RCMP say, well, we're only doing what the government is telling us to do. Well, at the end of the day, we all know the burden is on the leaders. 
Jason Kenney stands in front of the camera and declares something legal or illegal based on what their conversations and their government has decided. That's where the blame lays, no matter how much. And again, we've seen that very prominently over the last 15 months as he loves to shift blame for anything negative, but he also grabs credit for everything that possibly looks like a positive. Well, we just see right through it. I think that's good. I think that that kind of yeah. covers the practical, the theological. That's that's what's happening in Alberta, if you're at all curious. Um, and uh, and yeah, I you know the 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 response by other Christian leaders and and, um, and people in this province has been and, and this country in Canada has been discouraging. Uh, to say the least, and uh, it's 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 sad, you know. I I I think about some of these prominent Canadian ministers and pastors, and th- there's just no. I've heard this often. The silence is deafening, and uh, our brothers and sisters are being arrested. Tim was arrested for doing outdoor <laughs> service. Exactly. Like two days before it was allowed to have, like it, I, you know, I don't like we haven't been following all the regulations and we and we haven't been uh, like following them. Like, what even are they? Because it's just changing and it's just we're gonna we're gonna do church. And so I haven't been following it, but I I, I think I, I think as of now he would have been allowed to have that service uh, in two weeks for sure. In July is July first supposed of, to be open. As of right now, I believe your outdoor gatherings are allowed to have a max of 20 people with social distancing. Okay. I would have to confirm that, but I believe that's roughly where it's at. So he probably was still breaking that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the idea of this church gathering outdoors in a field outside, and he had RCMP officers show up because the the helicopter spotted them, circled them, ratted them out and here we are yeah it's unreal so that's what's that's what's happening in canada and uh you know honestly i don't know if it's going to be done in two weeks uh our job is just to be faithful to the lord whatever comes uh try to be submissive and respectful to the government and yet at the same time at at times exercising the the remaining freedoms that we have Mm. and uh and trying to do our job to also speak to the government, although at times it feels like nobody's really listening. And I think it feels that way, but I think the reality is, is they are feeling the pressure. Um, in some of my personal conversations with some of the politicians, the the social media backlash after James's arrest, they've felt it. And I know the idea has been, you know, we need you to back off, we're in a lot of pressure. Well... <laughs> Take your tyrannical laws, put them aside, and we won't bug you anymore. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, they're creating their own situation. They're they're sticking their hand into the fire and then crying to us that their hand hurts. Well, take it out. <laughs> it, it, it's that simple. Stop making bad laws. Stop taking the freedoms away that you promised us when you were elected. Stop doing that. And this will change, right? So the the social media backlash has definitely impacted them. And now I'm not necessarily going to be calling for a social media onslaught. Everybody can do their own thing. We spend time on Twitter and Facebook, and we've been involved in some of that, and that's all good. But they have felt the pressure. 
And so those are ways that we can do that. We can email, we can reach out to them, and maybe just a quick shout out to some other organizations here, if you don't mind. Uh, one, Sheila Gunn-Reed. I know you've met her, right? Just on Twitter. Yeah, okay. I haven't met in person. So as many Oh, people... no, we did meet. I forgot about the time. Yeah, we did right. meet you once. Right, you did meet yeah. in Edmonton. In front right? of Grace Life Church when mm-hmm. it was locked down. Yeah. So she's been she's a reporter for Rebel News um, and in Alberta, and she's been covering the Grace Life James Coates situation <laughs> like a trooper. Mm-hmm. It's been... And so you can follow her on Twitter and stuff and, and follow her and all those reports. But then there's also another organization that I think has done a lot of work, tremendous work, and that's JCCF, the Justice Center for uh, Constitutional Freedoms in Canada. Um, did you want to touch base on that a little bit and who they are? No, well, the, you, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, uh, James Kitchen there is a lawyer defending uh, both Tim Stevens and... Uh, and James Coates, and has done a, done a great job. Also, Leighton Gray has joined them as well. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about them, but yeah, they're they're putting out great great material, very helpful. Fo- you know, following the statistics, and um, unfortunately, at least right now, kind of losing in in court. But uh, as that escalates up to the more supreme courts, uh, we we hope to to have some some victories there. Mm-hmm. And two, just to throw in, they've done all this defense work pro bono, all free of charge for both the Coates family, Grace Life, as well as um, the Stevens family and the uh, Fairview Baptist Church and and any others that they represent. They're a pro bono organization Mm -hmm. that that work on donation. And I know when Pastor James Coates was in prison, that was often a request that Aaron made at that time, his wife, was that if people wanted to give, to give to that organization as they're really doing a tremendous work in regards to defending churches, pastors, and many others, not mm-hmm. not just them, right? Yeah, so, the constitutional freedoms of the, yeah. of the country, yeah. And so just a quick shout-out to them and the work that they've done, and Sheila Gunn-Reed and the work that she's done in covering this and actually bringing the truth um, to that. So I think that's value in that as well. Well, again, I think... Just uh, an appeal to anyone who may be listening to this, who may still be on the fence. I hope, we hope, that maybe we've been able to get you to consider some of these things. To think about Christ as the head of the church and how the government oversteps their God-given boundaries when they try to interfere with what worship and church and those things look like. Consider that. Consider your elders. I know uh, from, from my side, pray for your elders. We pray for Pastor Mike and for the uh, elders in other churches that have been faithful. There's others, a handful of others across our, our nation that are facing charges, fines. We've been uh, mentioned Steve Richardson multiple times here, and he just put on social media the other day of the potential fines and jail time that he could be facing for remaining faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, Pastor Jacob Rio, um, Aaron Rock, um, you may know some names better than I do, Pastor Mike, but pray for these men. Pray for the church. Trust in a sovereign God who who does all things for our good and for his glory. Mm-hmm. And knowing that the church will rise, and I, I believe it was Pastor Tim Stevens' last words before he climbed into the cop vehicle being arrested was, you know, Christ will build his church. Yeah, um, It's just a blessing to be part of it rather than to, to sit back and with her head in the sand and question that, right? Yeah. And so I think, yeah, an appeal to anyone out there to consider these things 
and uh, pray about it and, and speak to your elders. Or if you are an elder, be in the word and prayer. Talk to others and be faithful. Be faithful to the word and to the call of Christ to shepherd his flock. Did you have anything else, Mike? Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think not, that's great. I would just like to end with 1 Peter chapter 5. So I exhort the elders among you, as fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And I hope that encourages all the elders out there, as well as to you, Pastor Mike. We've been, as a congregation, as a church, Grace Bible Fellowship has been very thankful for your leadership during this time. So we thank you for that. Thank you.